Corinthians uh, chapter 6. As you know, we finished a series on Joseph, an eight-week look at the life of Joseph a couple Sundays ago. And I do have a new series lined up for this fall. It's, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon of Jesus. But in the meantime, it's just going to be whatever happens to catch my eye, the Lord lays on my heart each week. And so this is the passage uh, that I was drawn to, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to read from verses 11 to 18. Would you stand, please, in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word? Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be apart with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and God, we just want to ask that you would take these words that your spirit inspired almost 2,000 years ago, and that now as we read them, your spirit, who is still alive and working until this day, would continue to work among us to open our eyes, to illuminate these words so that we may see and we may believe and we may obey. We may be made more like Jesus through your spirit working in this place, O oh God. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You can be seated. I have two dogs. So this is cutting in and out. Okay. I have two dogs. A, a uh, little sandy-colored cavachon that's about uh, 10 pounds or so. His name is Murphy. If you're wondering what a cavachon is, uh, that's basically a rug that moves. Okay? It's kind of... <laughs> Real fluffy and just, you know, lays out in all directions like a bear rug or something. But, but uh, anyway, that's Murphy. And, and then we have uh, Mr. Big, who's a Chihuahua, okay? Very fitting name for a Chihuahua, right? Mr. Big. And so he's a little black Chihuahua. And these two dogs, they normally coexist uh, somewhat well in our household. But I have found that taking them outside to take them on a walk is, is just this crazy, almost impossible task because, of course, I've got, you know, one leash in one hand and one in the other, and, and you, know, you know what happens, right? Yes, Jeff's doing it right like this, you know. Uh, the second you get them out there, they're going to cross paths, not just trip themselves up, but, of course, wrap those cords around my legs, trip me up, 
And I, you know, I, I have endured this as I tried to take them on good walks because I want my, my dogs to be exercised and mainly I want them to do what they need to do away from my house, right? And so I, I've tried this, but I always end up with this thing where I'm wrapped up. And so I had this idea. I said, I'm going to take care of this because I was in Walmart the other day. I was looking for some treats for the dogs and I walk over and you know, they've got gadgets for dogs. I mean, a whole aisle of different gadgets for dogs. It's amazing all they have. And so I was looking at all these different chains and collars and vests and toys and all this stuff. Well, they had this little splitter thing going on. It says, hook one leash to two dogs. And I said, oh, wow, this is going to be awesome. Now I'm going to have two dogs together. They cannot cross. They're going to be, you know, it's going to be just fine. So I have a picture of my dogs when I work this out. Now, I want you to see that's Murphy up there. Remember the one that looks like a rug? He's in front, and that's big in the back. So <laughs> you see what's going on here. Murphy is the younger puppy who's ready to go. He's ready to get into anything. Mr. Big is chill, okay? He likes to, to hold back. And so what I thought was going to be this great plan where they were just going to, you know, go in unison and be great. You have basically Big being pulled by Murphy because he's backing it up. Murphy's going forward. Uh, the length of Blast and Game Drive, they did this the whole way. I end up having to pick up Mr. Big and carry him back, and he's going... <laughs> You know, like I've just destroyed him with this walk. Okay, turn that off or they'll never look back at me. Okay, thank you. Everyone's staring at the dogs. As I was going down the road and I see some, some neighbors from the street across me and this uh, couple is walking toward me and I'm feeling kind of dumb with my dogs here, I blurt out as only a preacher would, have you ever seen unequally yoked? And that is what this message is about today. We read uh, this passage where in the translation we read it said, don't be teamed up with unbelievers. But the, the older translation, the King James, New King James, some of the older ones say, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And I'd heard that passage a million times in my life, but it never really hit me until I experienced it. <coughs> Now, when you read the word yoke in the Bible, it's not an egg yoke, okay? It is something that is put on an animal uh, to control, this something to guide, okay? So, and you can be singly yoked. So when Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you, for it is easy. He says, look. Come under my leadership, come under my direction, wear my yoke, I will guide and direct you, I will have the reins to your life, and I am not going to be horrible, I'm not going to whip you, it's not going to be a heavy burden I put on you, I'm going to direct you in the right way. That's a single yoke. But a double yoke is when you put two animals together, much like Big and Murphy, and the idea, though, is for them to walk in unison, and hopefully if it's a pair of oxen, they're going to work together, and they're going to pull better than either of them can do apart, and they're going to make that straight line and, and plow just like they should. Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And when he said that, every single person in that ancient society that was full of agriculture 
they got it in a way we don't unless we've experienced something like I did with my two dogs. Because when I went out there and I realized, hey, these dogs are fine. They can get along with one another. They don't kill each other. They don't terrorize each other. But bind them together, and uh, they're in for trouble. Why? Because they have two t totally different natures. Murphy is ready to go. He's ready to pounce. He's ready to jump. He's ready to lick you to death. That is his personality. He wants big. It's like, I'm chill. I'm, I'm relaxed. Don't move me. And so while they're both just fine, there's nothing wrong with either dog. But they are unequally yoked together because they have a different way of life. And you tie them together, you bind them together, and they don't cooperate very well. And so Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He's saying, don't bind yourself in a tight relationship with other believers. He's not saying, hey, you can't ever have any friends that are non-Christian. Absolutely not. How would anyone ever hear the gospel? We, in fact, he even corrects that in another place. He says, I'm not telling you to ignore everybody. I'm not telling you to, to walk away from everybody. You, you gotta, you're in the world. You've got to get along with people. He says, but look, you need to be careful about tying yourself so tightly to other people who don't, say, that don't share the same values you do. Because while you try to move ahead in your Christian life, they're trying to back you up. And you might even manage somehow to, to move forward a little bit. But you'll never get where you need to go as long as they're pulling backwards and holding you back. Now, how does that apply in life? The most often in churches, we hear that preaches about marriage, right? That's, that would, don't be unequally yoked, so, so don't date that person who doesn't believe in God. That's, that's kind of how we often hear it said, but that was not the reference. That's a good application of that verse, but the reference is not that. And by the way, uh, just so you know, in another place he says, don't just go divorce your husband or your wife just because you realize I'm a believer and they're not. I guess we should split. He said, don't do that. But he, he does say, while you still have a choice, don't voluntarily enter into a relationship. So this could be a, a business deal, or this could be just the person that you make your running buddy. This is the person that you hang with constantly. This is the person that you spend your time with. In other words, you tie themselves, them closely to you. Close, so closely that they're going to have an influence. You are connected to them. And if they're not heading toward Jesus, and you are, there's constantly going to be a tension. And that tension is, will always be there, even if on the surface level it's okay, and you could be friends just fine, but you're so close, when you're heading toward Jesus, they're backing off. And you either get pulled back or the strain on you keeps you from getting where you need to get. Now, that's a pretty simple concept. And we should, we should get this, okay? I mean, it should be easy to say, okay, a bad apple ruins the bunch. Yes, I know. I've heard. I'm not going to hang around bad apples. But, you know, there is a big difference between knowing and doing. And... Part of that is that sometimes we just intentionally say, well, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. But other times it's not that way. 
I'll tell you about another experience I had this week. Shopping twice in one week. Okay, this is, this is big stuff here, but for some reason I pushed myself to go to Belk. Because I needed a few new pairs of pants and a few new pairs of shorts. And I got this thing in the mail. It's a great, grand, super extravaganza clearance. You're going to get a million percent off and all this stuff. And so, okay, I'm going to go and see if I can find some stuff. And so I walk in, walk past the women's stuff, walk past the little bitty men's stuff. I go to the big and tall. You know, that's where it's at, okay? So I head straight into the big and tall and I find some several pairs of shorts and several pairs of pants that are my size. I know them to be my size. I get in that dressing room. Do you know that they were all sewn wrong? That there was a mess up at the factory in almost every single one of those things? They were not my size. Okay, and so there were these two different sizes. And this is the size that I know with all my heart that I am. And this is the other size they are saying, most of these pants are saying that I am. Now, why am I so concerned about this size? It's not like this is big and tall and now I'm in the skinny mini. No, they're both big and tall. Nobody's going to look at me if I'm in this size and say, whoo, you lost weight. You know, They're both big and tall. No one's going to look inside my pants and see which size I'm wearing. Why do I care? I don't know, but I do. And this is the right size. But yet all these pants are telling me that this is the right size, except for about two or three. Now, you want to know which pair I bought? Guess, okay? Uh, all these were wrong. I could not buy those pair because they were sewn wrong. So, of course, I come out of the store with these that are correct. Now, that's tongue-in-cheek because we all know they weren't all wrong. But I didn't want to accept the truth. I wanted my truth to be this size and, and not this size. But guess what? No matter how much we talk about in this world, people tell you, find your truth. Find your truth. No, there's not your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth. There is the truth. And if I was to get out a measuring tape, <laughs> that measuring tape would have shown the truth. And I have a really good idea that it had been over here. Why do I tell you all about that? I tell you that to say we deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. If I was to ask you beforehand, how many of you like to be lied to? I don't imagine anybody would raise their hand, okay? And yet, as much as we say we can't stand a liar, we can't stand to be lied to, we can't stand to be deceived, we deceive ourselves on a regular basis. And it's more than just about an outfit size. It's more than just a waist size or a chest size or a neck size. We deceive ourselves when we see something we want and we know God's word says, no, that's the thing you shouldn't have. That's the thing you shouldn't do. That's the thing you shouldn't be into. And so we say, oh, but um, that's not really that thing. That, that's not really that bad. You see, none of us intentionally say, I'm going to go hang out with her. I'm going to hang out with him. I'm going to be besties with that person. And they're going to corrupt me and they're going to lead me down a path of destruction. Nobody just goes out and says that. We think, well, they're fun. Well, don't you know how they are, what they do? Oh, oh, come on. We're adults. Uh, come on. Don't, don't, be so, don't be so touchy. Live a little. And, and we lie to ourselves. And we tell ourselves that these people that we have gotten close to, 
that's okay because, well, they're friends of the family. Or we've been friends since we were in high school or since we were little. Or whatever other excuse. Fill in the blank. And we've partnered ourselves, whether in a legal business, legal sense, or just in a social sense. We've tied ourselves to people and they are dragging us down. And we don't even know it because we lie to ourselves. The Bible acknowledges that all the time. Look up the number of times it says, do not be deceived. Because it's not just Satan out there deceiving us. It's not just some bad people out there deceiving us. Yeah, all those things are against us. But our worst enemy a lot of times is ourselves. Because we lie to ourselves. So... If we're not supposed to be unequally yoked, if we're not supposed to be tied down to these people who are going to drag us down, but yet we lie to ourselves and we, we blind ourselves to the truth, what hope is there? Well, thank God, almost every single one of us has some godly people who love us and want the best for us in their life. And so if you want to know, have I been blind, have I been, have I been intentionally deceived, you need to ask yourselves, have I listened to the people around me when, I, when they say, oh, you know, I don't think you should make that decision. Hmm, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but this just doesn't seem right. Something's wrong, something's shady here. I get a bad feeling about this. And I'm not just talking about somebody you don't know or that obnoxious coworker who just gets in your business. I'm talking about the people that love you and care about you. And see, that's exactly what Paul was saying to the Corinthian people. We start off reading where he says, open your hearts wide to us, Corinthians. Please open your heart. Our hearts have been open to you, but your hearts have shut to us. You know what happened? If you look at the background, the history, Paul, you know, he helped start this church and he tried to help maintain it from a distance. He couldn't stay there because he's an apostle. He goes from place to place to place. But he would keep up with them. And after he left, there was a bunch of people came in and they didn't like Paul and they wanted to be big shots, big wigs, head honchos. And so they started down-talking Paul and they started teaching a different message, a different way. And so now when Paul tries to tell them, hey, listen, guys, I, I love you. I want the best for you. Instead of remembering how he labored with them in love, how he wouldn't even take a dime. You know, in other places, he was happy for those local people to support him. But he knew this was a place he had to make sure people didn't think it was about the money. So he let other people from other places support him while he was there. So he wouldn't have to take a dime from them. He said, look, I, I worked among you for free. You got my blood, sweat, and tears. I loved you. I labored with you. I gave you the gospel and tried to help you grow. Listen. Because these folks had started telling, oh, that Paul, you know him. <sighs> he thinks he's something. You know when someone is bringing you in the wrong direction. Because you're going to have the other people, those ones that I said love you. Maybe it's me, Maybe it's your mom or dad. 
Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's a friend who they always walk with Christ. But they're that person from God's point of view. And they're telling you, man, I just, I don't know about this. I don't know about this situation, this relationship, this thing that's going on. It doesn't look good for you. When this other group of people over here starts bad-mouthing them, and they start saying, oh, man, just live a little. Oh, come on. I'm a Christian. You, you, you're a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian too, but I do these things. It's fine. It's okay. Those are the folks that are dragging you down. So you and I... If we're going to be on the right track that Jesus wants us to be on, if we're going to be focused on him, if we're going to do like the song says and fix our eyes upon him, then we've got to pair ourselves, we've got to connect ourselves to other people who are going in that same direction. And we need to be intentional about that. I love everybody. I'm going to be kind to everybody. I'm not discriminating against anybody. But the people who I'm going to tie myself to are those who are heaven bound, those who are going God's way, walking in the path of righteousness. That's the way I'm going to go. And how do I know if someone is steering me away? Because the other people around me who are in that same path and who can see things that I can't, because maybe, just maybe, I want to fit into this life over here with someone else. And they're telling me, nope, this is the way. I need to listen to the godly people in my life. I need to open my heart up to them. And guys, let's be for real. We preach at teenagers and we talk about peer pressure. You've got to avoid the peer pressure. You've got to do what's right. Guess what? There is no limit to peer pressure. There is no age limit. You can be 85 years old and be under peer pressure. For those peers that are still there, okay, they can still be pressuring you. All right? You got to understand that we're all influenceable by others. We need to love everybody. We don't need to shut ourselves off. But we need to make sure that our hearts are, the Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it's the wellspring of life. So we need to make sure that our hearts are most open wide to the people who love us and love God the most because they're the ones that are going to want the best for us to keep us on that path and not to hold us back and keep us from being all that God wants us to be. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I come to you and God, I just thank you so much. That you love us enough not only to create us and not only to redeem us, but also to instruct us. You don't leave us without a clue. You don't leave us alone. You send your spirit and you send fellow believers to walk alongside of us. And you instruct us. And God, so often, just like we're putting together a, a new furniture or a new tool, we throw the instructions out. And we think, I got this on my own. But God, we need your instructions. Your instructions are not anything that can be improved upon. Help us to choose to walk the right way and to listen to the godly voices around us who want the best for us. Father, as we come to this time now to respond, Lord, help us to commit to doing what's right. I pray that for every single person in here. 
whether they bow their head or not, whether they walk an aisle or not, God, I pray that every person would make that commitment right now and say, yes, Lord. In their heart, in their mind, silently they say, yes, Lord. I'm bound to you already. And I don't want anything binding me away from you, pulling me or tugging me away from you. God, help me to find people that will bring me in the right path to you. And then, Father, some may, may need an additional response during this time. Some might need to come and, and just kneel at the altar. Some might need prayer. Some might even have a, a public decision to make. God, whatever it is, may your will be done as we sing our song of commitment. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.